Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. A boy's born in Hardtown, Mississippi. Surrounded by a world that ain't so pretty. His parents give him love and affection to keep him strong. Moving in the right direction. That was Stevie Wonder and Living for the City, an uplifting way to start Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM with me, Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me. This is the place where you can hear the very best of those people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, in addition to those people who are shaping the world of business. I call them a business shaper. My business shaper today is Camilla Barnard, and she is the co-founder of Rude Health. And Rude Health, for those of you that don't know, that aren't having breakfast right now with it in front of you, is a breakfast business, a business that sells cereals and a business that sells all sorts of things that you can eat and know that they are very, very healthy and tasty too. I can testify to that personally. You'll be hearing lots from Camilla very shortly. In addition to hearing from her, you'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business and as well as all of that, of course, a sumptuous, nay, tasty mix of music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including the great Nina Simone, the Jazz FM award-winning Gogo Penguin and this from Ray Charles and Nora Jones. The beautiful sound of Ray Charles and Nora Jones with Here We Go Again. No one ever dies anymore. They just come back and deliver fantastic music like that. This is Jazz Shapers, and my business shaper today here on Jazz FM is Camilla Barnard, and she is one of the co-founders of Rude Health. They make gorgeous food for you to eat at breakfast. Camilla, thank you very much for joining me. You're very welcome. Good morning. Good morning. You make breakfast stuff. Why? What happened? What did? What decided? What inspired you to do that back in 2005 when you set the business up? It was uh, very simple, really. It wasn't a grand plan. It was that I wanted breakfast to be delicious uh, and I wanted it to be nutritious. There we go, delicious and nutritious. Uh, and it did. It seemed to be quite difficult and combined with that. So everything was sold, everything out there in the breakfast cereal guise is sold as healthy. But when you actually look at the packets, and I just I had my second child, so I was finding myself staring at packets uh, in a slight sort of daze, um, looking at what was in them and nutritional information, I really realised that they weren't anything like as healthy as they said and I wasn't particularly enjoying them so it felt to me like that didn't work I wanted something that was that tasted great and made you feel good because the whole point and then so the point of creating Root Health was what we believe in is if you eat right you'll be your best self which we now sort of tighten up and say eat right stay brilliant so that was it was very simply not happy with the cereals that were out there and the probably slightly baby brain induced idea that, well, why on earth don't we just do that then? Why not? 
but but if you don't mind me saying, I mean, baby baby brain induced uh, sense, uh, you know, feeling at that time, uh, looking and saying, well, there's nothing for me, doesn't naturally mean you're going to go and do something about it. There are many people that would do absolutely nothing and just go, that's a shame, and carry on and, and not be very happy. Why you? Why did you and your husband at that point, two other um, investors, why did you think you'd actually fix it? What what's in your DNA that makes you a doer? Uh, that I don't know. I think I think I'd wanted to. I think I wanted to for a long time. I remember at school I, when they said, what do you want to do? I didn't actually have the least idea, but I, I, I knew I wanted to do something myself. And up to that point, I hadn't really done it. And my husband, on the other hand, had done pretty much nothing but. He, he always says of himself that he's pretty much unemployable uh, because he will just do his thing. So I think the combination uh, was, was perfect. Uh, and now... Um the offering is the following. So tell me all about it. There's a bit of muesli. There's, yep. So the full sort of breakfast range, uh, lots of muesli, lots of granolas, lots of porridge, some nice light cereals, what they know, say in the bit, call in the business, ready to eat, which is your, your sort of flakes and puffs and things. And then we also do savoury snacks, things like oat cakes um, and rice cakes, but nicer. Um, and uh, dairy alternative drinks. And that's around £6 million turnover right now. Is that about right? Yeah, around, yeah, around there. Not yeah. bad, eh? Uh, that's Rude Health. And you will be in Rude Health if you have it. Um, that's st- the idea. That's the idea, exactly. <laughs> Stay with me for more from my lovely business shaper, Camilla Barnard. She's the co-founder of Rude Health. They make nice things for you, to eat, for you to eat at breakfast, but not just at breakfast. Time for some music. This is the award-winning, I promised it earlier, uh, Go Go Penguin with Kama Loka. That was Kamaloka from Go Go Penguin. They are the UK Act of the Year, according to the Jazz FM Awards, and I believe them and you should too. Camilla Barnard is my business shaper today. She's the co-founder of Rude Health. They make lovely cereals and related healthy, tasty food. Over £6 million turnover, which in under just around 10 years is not to be sniffed at either. Camilla, you, we'll go back to those, uh, you know, the, the baby brain induced days and the fact that you went, you got up and did it. You said your husband um, has always worked for himself or always thought he would do. Was there anyone in your family that worked for themselves? You said at school you fancied doing that. Did you come from a family of entrepreneurs? No, actually, thinking about it. No, I'm sort of thinking back now to what everyone's done. Not particularly, but I suppose non-conformist rather than entrepreneurial so perhaps it was with my husband's sort of addition that that turned into I had the I don't want to necessarily do what everyone else is doing and he had the ability to turn that into action. Now in 2005 when the action happened Mm. um, uh, if I'm right you you uh, your husband and two neighbours put in some money about four thousand pounds between you. Yep. That's not right. much. Yeah. Not, not much. Not a lot to start a business what, on. Well, what did you do with that for? Because people often talk about, oh, my God, it takes lots of money to yeah. raise, you know, before I can get going. That doesn't sound like much. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. 4000 is £4,000. But what did you... It didn't sound like much in the no. scheme of things. Well, I suppose what in retrospect, with hindsight, what we did was almost do live research. So rather than spending a fortune in working out what's the perfect way to do everything and... We, we just did it. We just bought the ingredient. We knew what muesli we wanted to make. So between ourselves, we'd come up with a business name. We had come up with a muesli recipe, which had, you know, 23 fabulous ingredients. Um, we knew what we wanted to call it. It was the ultimate muesli. 
So we just did it. We just, but we needed the money to buy the ingredients, to buy the packages to put it in, uh, pops, you know, clear pots so you could see through it, and to buy, you know, a few aprons, branded aprons, so we could go into shops and do tastings. It was absolutely the bare minimum to get the stuff out there and see what the reception was like. And what was the first big break for you? Oh, it's so difficult to pick one. I mean, the ones that mean the most are you know, things like selling the first tub but obvi- of muesli, but obviously in the scheme of things, it's actually not a very big break. <laughs> it's not going to help you. Very- <laughs> it's not going to put food on the, the, the table, no. is it? No. And then there's things like the first time you deliver a whole pallet of foods. Mm. You know, that's exciting. Um, and that was to Riverford uh, you know, many years ago now, about nine years ago. But in terms uh, of securing yeah. distribution with a big chain, was mm. that when was, the, was that a Waitrose? Yeah, probably Waitrose was the biggest breakthrough and that was in 2008. Okay. And how did you do it? Because again, people, if you're listening, you're going, well, that sounds great. I'm sure I'd like to secure yeah. um, uh, a bit of a shelf, bit of shelf space there in Waitrose. But what's the, what was the secret? Well, we'd learned a lot by then. It was, you know, it was two years of sort of solid learning from doing it, you know, with, with very little. You know, we didn't have anything to spend. So it was, it was putting it out there and seeing how it went, finding out all the really bizarre logistic things about, you know, pallet configurations and uh, margins and layers of margin and all the stuff that you didn't go into the food business for. But also, you know, finding out where the very best oats come from, um, how to, you know, mix the recipe in the right order so that you've got to put the cinnamon in first or last, you know, to make it taste right. So by the time Two years in, we knew we, we knew more what we were doing and we also knew we needed to change the packaging so that it was more appealing, uh, jumped off shelf more clearly um, and so that it was more robust. So, And it was that packaging change that we went through, a sort of really creating the brand, actually, two years after we'd started it, um, that made it appropriate for someone like Waitrose to, to list it and to give us a chance. And that, hey. yeah, that was fantastic. Really exciting. So you've got to think about your brand. There's the first lesson mm. from my business show today, Camilla Barnard. There'll be lots more lessons, I hope, and they won't be delivered, delivered in a didactic way, I promise you. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. But before that, some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. I'm Daniel Farrandheim, an associate in the planning group at Mishkondorea, part of the wider real estate department. You may find as a, uh, as a business or as a small business or if your business grows that um, you're having problems finding accommodation. This may be partly in due to the fact that permission has been given nationwide with a few minor exceptions uh, to allow officers to be converted to residential. An awful lot of office stock, therefore, is being converted to much more valuable uses for owners. That causes big problems for those who want to occupy small units because those are the ones that are clear targets for the exercise of this right. There is some hope on the horizon, however. Uh, We've been engaged with a few clients uh, on large mixed-use development schemes who have either offered or have been asked to provide starter units for commercial occupiers, um, be they tech startup industries or or just small office or retail units. This is almost the equivalent of affordable housing for the residential sphere, where uh, in granting permission for housing development, a local authority might insist that some of those are made available to uh, those who can't afford to occupy it on the open market. A similar sort of concept of affordable commercial units is gaining more ground and is worth investigating. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, I get the chance to talk to someone who's shaping the world of business, a business shaper, someone who's leading the way in their industry and has decided to set their own thing up and is going for it, and going for it usually with quite a lot of success. Camilla Barnard is my business shaper today. She's one of the co-founders of Rude Health. They make tasty and healthy food, which most people have at breakfast, but not always. Um, Set the business up in 2005, now turning over around £6 million in Waitrose, available available on Ocado. Uh, I think it's Whole Foods as well. Planning Organic and Able and Cole, if you like, things delivered to your door. Now, Camilla, um, we were talking, I, I asked you earlier about when you started the business up, and you started up with two other people um, who are no longer with the business, as I understand it. Just give me a sense of what happens when you start a new business up and then kind of the first phase, you know, you go through the honeymoon period and then the reality kicks in. How do you know if you've got the right partner or not? Well, I think it's probably a bit like getting married, but... Uh and if you've done maybe a thought through business plan, you might go into it very well prepared. We went into it very much sort of serendipitously. We thought, wouldn't it be great to do this? Um, and we just did it. There was very, it, it was very much opportunistic and let's just do it, which has huge advantages in terms of just getting on with something and finding out whether or not it works and not wasting time. But in a way, it, it meant in our case, when it came down to it, that we, we weren't the right group of business partners. It just didn't work. And when you say it didn't work, was it just simply that there was no, there was an agreement on the clarity of the direction of the business? And was it that sort of thing? Or was it more fundamental? Uh, it, I mean, it sounds, that's a fundamental point, but there must be it others. It is a I fundamental point. I mean, what, you, you know, four people is, is quite a lot of cooks uh, when you're starting a business. Not necessarily, we didn't necessarily have the right combination of skill sets to, that was really needed at the beginning of a business. Um, I mean, for example, none of us was was really financial, and actually, you know, that it's absolutely critical. You, you, my, I'm more marketing. My husband is more um, very much sales and and sort of new food uh, and management generally. And we, we of the other two, you know, had their own skills, but none of us was was a finance specialist, and it's. I, it's the first thing I would do is is make sure whatever your skills are or whatever the sort of competencies you've got in the business, you need somebody who's looking after the whole just really simple cash flow, just what, how much money you've got available to spend because you can be growing and go bust. So, so once that had happened, the split had happened mm. and it was the two of you consolidated in the business, I imagine you found a finance person or you've... In, yep, almost immediately. Almost immediately. How do you then scale up? How do you go from that, the, the beginnings of where well, we just bumped into yep. it, serendipity, then we yep. actually moved into slightly more structured. After you've got waitress, you need to be able to deliver food on a regular basis to a specific consistency that's safe, that's tasty, and so on and so forth. What did you do next with the whole manufacturing piece? Well, we'd already done it by then, in fact. What happened? Because the first few months, we were chopping in the kitchen. You know, it was get the kids to bed and start chopping up apples and mixing things. So that didn't last very long. Um, so we'd already scaled up, but it, it came in in sort of bursts where we got into Whole Foods um, or Fresh and Wild as it was then and we needed to produce more and we also found that we needed a distributor. They don't buy direct from the company, they go through you know, a middleman who, who consolidates all the food and the distributor wanted us to have more foods. So the whole thing had already begun to, to scale and we, we had one of the distributors who also made their own muesli mix our muesli. And then when we started looking at the supermarket, well, we realised we needed to go bigger again. And it, it all unravelled naturally. We didn't ever think ahead far enough and start panicking. It was always the sort of the next stage. Stay with me for more from my business shake, Camilla Barnard, the co-founder of Rude Health. Time for some music. This is After the Door from Kurt Elling. It's from the new album, Passion World. 
That was Kurt Elling with After the Door. Camilla Barnard is my business shaper today. She's the co-founder of Rude Health. Talking about scare stories, talking about the fact you actually manage things in a measured way. And of course, there are those, as you said, disproportionate moments of happiness when you do see that person and they're buying your product. I mean, I must fill you with, with great joy. The the financial side of it, as you mentioned, um, very important to get on top of cash raises. as you said, you can be making money and still go out of business. Once you'd established that you could make money and the cash flow is there, how does a business, a young business, decide where to invest? Gosh, I think it depends what's driving you. Um, And in our case, we're very much driven by what it is we want to do. I mean, this week has been a real uh, case in point. Uh, And this has developed since we started it. But on Wednesday, we had a a talk, an eat right breakfast, which was all about um, feeding children and how to improve what children eat because we were very aware that we're talking to adults only but actually if you want the whole nation to be eating well it's got to start from it's got to start from when you're young because if that if the habit is there as a child then it's going to be natural as you're an adult so that for us is, is hugely important um and then yesterday we spent the day on a small um farm biodynamics um farm in sussex the whole company all 13 of us uh you know afternoon of uh, weeding weeding docks from a field so and that was Again, what we came away with from that, uh, my colleague Tanita um, summed it up, saying that it was all about connecting the farm to the plate and that for all our food culture is all very much about us and we're not really aware what goes into creating it. So in our case, we're driven hugely by... um, wanting to improve the whole food culture in the country. Nice to have a big a big mission. Well, and, and that's what I say, because I've, I've interviewed I think John Vincent from Leon Restaurant said a similar yep. thing. Um, I've interviewed Raymond Blanc, and he yep. was talking about, obviously, yep. soil and, yes. and where things come so from important. and being connected. Yep. How are you doing that? Because apart from mm. in, inculcating that, that set of values inside your own team yep. and, obviously, the produce on the shelf, what else can you do? Well, as a very small business... It, in, you can't reach that many people. So what we've just tried to start, we've started doing was communicate our passion. It was through ranting. Again, it was Nick's thing. He would he would just rant about stuff. He'll go off on one, whether it's about drinking, you know, whole raw unpasteurized milk or it could be any number of things. And we we took that out broader. We started, it turned out other people wanted to rant. People were ranting back at us, which was great. So we turned it into a sort of foodie speaker's corner. Um, at the Abergavenny Food Festival. So we go every September and we host the Rude Health Rants, which is anyone and everyone from the world of food gets their five minutes to sort of let rip on whatever's, whatever gets them going. And it, just to get the word out um, was the was first thing we did. Our Eat Right Breakfasts are another, um, again, gathering of people who are like-minded, which hopefully set off um, more action. And even just trying to connect people to the farm, you know, and doing it one by one by one you know every person who comes back understanding the link between the soil you know the farm and the soil and the plate is one more person who understands so trying not to be overwhelmed by the huge enormous impossible nature of the task and just picking it off bit by bit and as we get bigger hopefully we can do more well that's a pretty laudable vision if ever there was one final chat with camilla coming up plus a track from nina simone that's after the latest traffic and travel here on jazz fm jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day 
The iconic Nina Simone with Feeling Good. Camilla Barnard is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. She's the co-founder of Rude Health. Their food is intended to make you feel good and make you feel brilliant, in fact. And as I said earlier on, I like their stuff and I eat a fair amount of the granola. Not too much, of course, because if you eat too much like anything, you, it doesn't, doesn't agree with me. Um, the future for you and your business, you talked about one by one, person by pints, and I love the idea of the Rude Health Rants, which, as you said, is uh, going to be featuring at the Abergavenny Food Festival again this year. Um, what do you want to achieve in the next few years, apart from survival and you know, carrying on enjoying yourself? Yeah, apart from survival and growth, we want, we want to, what I was saying um, before, we really want to improve people's enjoyment of good food. I think at the moment, the thing that strikes me is one of the major, some of the major food trends are very much about um, restriction, cutting things out, denial um, and things you can't eat. And and that just strikes me as a fundamentally flawed relationship with food. There's not much you need to do in life. You've got to eat, you've got to drink and you've got to sleep. You better have a good relationship with all of those to have a great basis for life and I really want to bring that back. And you talked about starting early with children. Um, obviously, there's there's moves now for um, people to you know pushing for kids to eat cook meals yep. in schools, better yep. quality. The ingredients are fresh again. The school food plan, which again Leon restaurants yes. were involved in pushing yep. with the government. Are you involved in convers- Are you brought into those conversations with the government, or is it is that the next step? Do you think we're probably not the right people to talk to government because I think I don't think it's so slow. It's so slow, and I think we'd go mad. I think the entrepreneurial nature doesn't fit very well with the government nature. But we are talking um, to people like School Food Matters, who we were with on. Wednesday um, and there's a whole lot of other people doing similar things the Edible Gardens project um, there's just an enormous amount uh, going on which is hugely inspiring uh, and we want to work out what we can do to be involved with that whether it's talking to the children or going through the adults because fundamentally if the mothers are comfortable with happy with what they're eating and they're feeling good it's going to be a lot easier for them to nourish their children. And working with your husband, obviously it works. You're smiling. You don't look. You don't look too. You don't look too stressed on that front. Again, stress I use in a in a loose word, yeah. loose loose way. Um, the kids. What do the kids think of mum and dad working together? They think it's normal. I guess they probably. Yeah, they don't know anything else. I don't think they they they. I have no idea. They know this is their normal. This is their normal. Good. Well, they, they should keep it normal. It's been fantastic having you as as a guest um, and well done on creating such a lovely business. Thank you. Um, and please keep going because it's good to have proper food connected to the, the soil, as you said, and, and to, to, to the farms and everything else. What's your choice of music? Just before I let you go, what have you chosen? Why have you chosen it? I've chosen King Beat by Slim Harpo, um, which I was introduced to by my father. I think I like it for the same reasons that he does. It's, it's fantastically spare. There's nothing in there that doesn't need to be in there but it's really powerful and just it also makes me laugh i i love it here it is just for you well i'm a king bee buzzing around your eye well i'm a king bee buzzing around your That was King B from Slim Harpo, the song choice of my business shaper today, Camilla Barnard. She saw an opportunity and she went and she delivered on it. She has continually promoted the importance of 
proper, tasty, healthy ingredients in all of the Rude Health recipes. And she's focused on ensuring that kids eat healthily going forward. All great stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am sharp, for another appointment with me, Elliot Moss, on Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, stay with us on Jazz FM, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.